From the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. We're mass communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I give it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that. And now, here's your host, Rocky LaFleur. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Also starring Josh Webb, Jake LaTondras, Rob Kroon, David Ellis, and Ramsey Russell. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi, on this Friday morning. Joining me on the line, Ramsey Russell, Lee Chose. Guys, how are y'all? We're doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, Rocky, I'm glad to be here. If I'd done any better, I'd be in a duck blind. But I, I'm, I am, I am excited to introduce uh, my friend and longtime hero. I'll say it, Mr. Lee Chose. That's that's <laughs> over. That's overstated. You're gonna have to stop that right now. That's <laughs> that's not right. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but but Lee, I have kept up. You know, a lot of people read through outdoor magazines. And look at all the pretty pictures, and you know it inspires them and changes their life. I've been that guy that that looks at the fine print. You know, I see a cover of a magazine and said, "Man, who took that?" You know, or or a lot of the uh, a lot of the ad campaigns that have influenced me, and I know many many others. And um, I, I I've just uh, I've been an admirer. I like to take pictures. I like good artwork. I've been a long time admirer. Heard a lot about you for a long time through a lot of friends. Mutual acquaintances and and the opportunity to to spend a couple of weeks down in Argentina, let alone share a duck blind with you, was uh what was it was a good deal. And to find out that you're such a real guy, an honest guy, and and who you are, uh, made it even better in my book, man. Because I but I just I, I say that you know it's uh there there's a lot of people in life that I'm real proud to have met. You're one of them. you know we just we immediately fell in together and. uh and I appreciated sharing some time and getting to know you. Well, thanks for that. You know, that was pretty hey, Lee, easy. Uh, yeah. Let me. brings up a very. Let's start off this way. What is the one picture, in your opinion? I have my opinion. In your hmm. opinion, that really put you, you and your photography on the map. Well, there was. Three. There was three photographs that I've taken, I would say, that were influential in well, lots of things. Relationships, work, change, life-changing. I mean, I don't know. That's a, big, that's a big phrase there, life-changing. But one of them was life-changing. So, I mean, there's a, we can talk if you want about all three of them. I remember everything about them. <laughs> Now, I, I think that the, for for those that don't, let me just say this about Lee, and I hope and Ramsey said it in in one way. The reason that you buy or do things in the industry or buy products, this guy that's on the other end of the line, he's a re- one of the reasons why you wear and shoot and do the things that you do in hunting. You don't hear, you don't, unless you're, I guess you're a part of it, you don't hear Lee's name a lot, but he's kind of that guy in, in, I've watched this movie a million times with my wife, The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, watch, seen it. Mm-hmm. You know, she, there's a reason you're wearing that sweater. I'm the reason. Lee's, Lee's the reason you, you wear and buy a lot of things. <laughs> Well, that's kind of my job, right? Yeah. It, yeah. Well, well, it is, Lee, but, but you know, it, it, the, the thing that, uh, especially having spent some time with you now, the, the, you've, got, you've got an eye, you've got a vision that, that I know enough of your story 
that you're going to share, it goes it goes back to your foundations, to your origins of who you are and who inspired you into waterfowling. Because because to to have the vision before you snap the shot and then convert it into something that resonates with so many people, you've kind of got to have something you share with them. And, and it's that common thread, you know, as a duck hunter, as a real duck mm-hmm. hunter. You know, it's, it, it doesn't just come out. It's not accidental. You know, it's not like you're out there taking five million frames and then spending three nights going through and seeing which ones you got lucky getting. I know that. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and so, it, and, and that, you know, but but really and truly, I can't think of anyone that, that I would consider an iconic photographer. You know, and, and so many of the images, uh, looking through your, your portfolio there, there in your shop the other day, you know, I, I recognize so many of them. I mean, I, I just remembered. I heard, I heard one of your, uh, I heard a previous podcaster talking about a photo that someone had taken before he mentioned your name, and I knew, I knew immediately from over ten years ago exactly which photo it was he was talking about. That, that's unbelievable in a, in a day and era that that, I mean, we are just flooded twenty four seven with social media and television of imagery. You know, it's not like Life Magazine days back in the day where there were there were a cover and it became an iconic photo of, of President Kennedy or something. It's not like that anymore. It's like we're bombarded with right. millions upon millions of this, this photo mm-hmm. stream. But mm-hmm. now that, that there's still a photographer like yourself in the digital age that is creating truly iconic photography and something we all care about, hunting and fishing, that resonates so broadly with people is it, is very very interesting and profound you know and it's not just it's not the it's not the you know i know that photography is just a medium you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it, it, it's the yep. it's the it's, it's it's the man behind the 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 filter that, that that's that's able to use technology to, to really communicate that message through a single photograph and to me that is just that's profound it, it really is profound you're, you're mm-hmm. that kind of photographer, and I'm, I'm, you're that kind of photographer that, that your photos still speak thousands of words. And that can't be said anymore about just the constant stream of photography we're seeing. A, a picture really doesn't speak a thousand words all the time like it used to. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's always, it's always blown my mind. You know, a, a, a picture is just a fraction of a second frozen in time. One one two thousandth of a second, one you know thousandth of a second, and how that how that one little fraction of a of a second can speak so profoundly if 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 orchestrated and delivered right, that's powerful, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, oh, I'm, I'm I'm real excited to hear your story. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> I, I gotta ask but before before I interrupted you, Lee. You know, you were talking about iconic photos that you. Where, where's the Jeff Foles photo rank in the top? One is it the, in the top three? Sure. Well, assuming we're talking about the same photo, but I mean, I in the top three for sure. Yeah, uh, we are. Talking about that? Are you talking about that one of him and Hawk where they? Uh, yeah, they him and the dog. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah, it. Hawk. Yeah, that was Hawk. Yeah. Oh yeah, no doubt. That that influenced. I mean, I could even see the influence on that image in work that followed in the industry. Well, and on top of it, I mean, let's face it, whatever side of the fence you're on, I mean, Foils was polarizing. He's a polarizing figure. So, even before being busted by the feds, he was oh, a polarizer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that that's 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 who he is. Right. That's what I say. Like, you know, what, regardless of what side side of the fence you're on, I mean, the guys, the guy was, he was a really cool figure to hang out with and photograph. And we had, a, I mean, Jeff and I, we had a blast. We're close, man. We'll get that out right now. So the listenership, you know, maybe understands that, like when we talk about things that I want them to know from you know, my point of view that there's there's complete transparency in what I'm going to talk about. And I'll never talk about anything that's not important in my life. 
I'm not going to just talk to talk. So if I got something to say, I'll say it. And that image back <laughs> back then, you know, foils, he wore paint, right? He was a painted dude and he was a killer and he would shoot hands and he would make brash statements. And, and the crazy thing is, is I'm the opposite of that. Opposite. I mean, I don't like that stuff. But I liked him. And my job was my job was to move his move his business along. Right? So I know what my job is. So we'd argue. I mean you you can ask him that if you ever talk to him again or whatever. I mean Jeff and I would go round and round on things, but at the end of the day, I mean, it worked. And that that particular photograph was, I mean, I remember shooting it and where I was when I shot it. I remember what the weather was like, what it felt like, because you're like, you're way in it, right? And I'm sitting behind a big piece of glass and I'm like, holy cow, man, this one's really good. <laughs> I mean, this one's going to move the needle, you know. You know it. You know when you're on them. That's not an accident. It doesn't just happen by accident. That's that's one thing, you know. But that there's a big difference between advertising photography and editorial photography. And we can hop into that sometime too. Editorial photography, that's I'm not trying to bum anybody out here, but that's Kennedy getting his head ripped off. That's straight up editorial stuff, right? You can't make right. it up can't fake it can't make it up and it's and it's life-changing when it happens advertising photography is not like that advertising photography is thought out it's like what are we going to do what are we going to do with this where is it going to live who are we talking to that's different it's kind of two disciplines I, I, can, I can say I that both, too. I can, you know, oh, I take ahead, both disciplines very serious. I do. Mm-hmm. You know, you, know, you bring up... Lee, you bring up Jeff in the paint. Now, yeah. Before we jump into your story, <laughs> yeah. you know, Jeff made a post the other night in the finale of Yellowstone. <laughs> He quoted Yellowstone about how a warrior never rides into battle without paint. Jeff mm-hmm. loved that man. That, that oh, was, your, that, was your, that was that was your guy. Lee Rip said that, or no, the the, the chief said it to to Rip. You hadn't seen it yet, so I'm not going to spoil it. But yeah, don't anyway, yeah, don't. This the spoiler alert's got to go on right now. I don't want to know anything about what happened last night. So all right, so. Everybody heard yesterday, I talked a little bit about it in the Irish podcast, that you were on a shoot at, with the Yellowstone crew. Before we get into your story, tell, tell us a little bit about that, because a lot of people listening to this love Yellowstone. Oh, boy. Well, good, really good friend, close friend of mine, Mike Scobie, who's, you guys, you guys probably heard Scobie's name. He used to be the editor-in-chief of Peterson's hunting for a long time and now he's the big wheel over the major gun titles out there like guns and ammo and stuff like that well he got me a text message one day and he said will you photograph Cole Hauser and I'm like well yeah who else is going to do it right yeah I'm going to do it so (laughs) I uh, Luke my son Luke and I flew out I mean it's you know, we're stoked about this one. First of all, we, before this, we're both major fans of Yellowstone, right? And in particular, Rip and Beth, which Cole Hauser's Rip and Kelly Riley's Beth. So, and they're, they're well, you know, you know what they're like. They're just, it's, it's like fantastic. Those two, that's a love story. So anyway, but the whole, the whole series is killer. So we were really stoked to go out there and do that. And the shoot was just outside of Bozeman, which is always a blast when we get to spend time with our buddies out in Bozeman. And in particular, we were out with Mike Evans, the the major brilliant gun 
rep in our industry. Mike is like top shelf, classy, fantastic person, you know. Um, so anyway, we all get together. And, you know, when you go on a big shoot like that, like you're kind of wondering, you always have like something in your mind, you know, and you're like, gosh, I wonder what they're like. And is it going to be easy to work around this? Or is wardrobe change is going to be a hard thing to do? Is Do I got to bring anything? And, and the reason they are like that is because, you know, 25, 30 years ago when you start this career as a photographer and you photograph Tony Stewart, who was the reigning NASCAR champion at that time, or President Bush, or um, Kid Rock, or you always have, you always hope they're cool. And then when they're not, it really sucks. Rip is as cool or cooler than he is on the show. So that was the most fun. And we had an absolute blast for three days. So, and that includes, that includes going out at night and drinking whiskey till three in the morning and photographing in the morning. I mean, that, it's all of it. I mean, we did it all, man. So, what, so anyway, he, he smoked cigarettes and he wanted to have a dagger. So we're in one of the bars. I think it was the copper. Yeah, I think it was this night. I think I remember that. We were at the Copper in Bozeman, and he wants to have a dagger, so a few of us go outside, Scobie and me and Luke and Rip and a few other people. And and I never, I didn't really want to bug him about Beth Dutton, Kelly Riley, or her character, but let's face it, she's so hot, and you're like, she's like the coolest character ever, you know? I mean, her and Darth Vader may be the coolest characters ever on film. Right. So. Oh yeah. Every every man won't say woman like Beth Dutton until they get a woman like Beth Dutton. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would like a woman like Beth Dutton, but I sure as hell want to hang out with her. I can promise you that. (laughs) So, anyway, he said the cool. I asked her. I said, "What's she really like?" And he goes. I tell you what, he goes, if she was here right now with us on this shoot, she'd be hanging out with us every night like this, doing exactly what we're doing. And I'm like, oh, that is so cool. Even cooler. Yeah. So that was really fun shoot. Really, really fun. So now we text. Actually, he texted when I was down with Ramsey in Argentina. And oh, wow. he, asked me, he asked me what I was doing, and I said, well, I said, I'm, on, I'm down in Argentina. He goes, what are you doing down there? And I said, well, hunting ducks and killing ducks. And he goes, oh, man, I'd love to do that. So I told that to Ramsey, and I actually kind of put a bug in his ear because if he ever wants to go down there, I'd love to, I'd love to do it with him. So he's uh, just a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. No. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. That was fun. Really fun. Well, I Brian, think yeah, that we I'll have. Play. No, go ahead, Ramsey, and then I'll go ahead. I'm just gonna say he mentioned Argentina, and and, and I just got to say this story, and uh, hope it don't bug Lady to death. But you know, he was talking about he was talking about uh, advertorial photography. I I talked about, you know, keeping up with his artwork previously. So we all went down to Argentina. We all fell in together. The stories never ended. It was just, it was such, it was the most fun I've had in Argentina in 18 years just because of the guys I was hanging out with. The stories flying, you know, he and Ira and Jeff and Dougie Boy and um, Fonzie. It was just such a a fun team uh, that was flowing. But Lee decided he wanted to film and do do some filming that we needed to hunt together and and i'll be honest with you, you know i knew i knew lee's an old school duck hunter i was i was i was just i was a little uh maybe a little nervous well i don't i don't want to mess up i don't want to be too aggressive i don't want to overstep my boundaries i got to remember to be polite you know come hunting with a with a famous guy or, or in my opinion lee i'm not putting you on the spot and uh <laughs> and and so i make, so anyway, make other people famous we we go out there to duck hunt, and it it was just 
it, it was like, uh, you know, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. You know, sometimes you hunt with people and y'all just don't jihaw good together. It's it just their shooting style is different. They don't know how to shoot zones or whatever the case may be. And sometimes you just you just fall in with somebody and you realize, man, this is like a long lost hunting buddy. You know, it, it's just it, it's the right hand and the left hand know what each other's doing. And neither of us were just in a in a fit to shoot shoot every duck that came over. We watched each other shoot. We took pictures. We did things. We had we we talked. We visited. We had a great time. Lee, Lee the kind of hunter that or stop for a minute and sip a cup of coffee, you know, and uh, enjoy the morning for what it is. And and but you know, I, I just. I've been around a lot of photographers and uh that fancy themselves photographers in this outdoor industry and and uh and you know when you're around those guys, all you hear is the shutters going off I mean constant i mean from 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 the minute uh they can dial in a picture until the minute it ends they and and then they go back and they get lucky and they come up with these uh whatever these 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 photographs these in the moment photographs and and what I learned real quick about Lee as both a hunter and a photographer is, is he's probably the most deliberate person I've ever been around. I mean, I knew right off the bat uh, when he started shooting that, that obviously this man had been hunting all his life. But the, you know, it, it's just a, he's a very, very deliberate shooter. And, and then I learned that he he goes into that project he knows pretty much what he wants to take a picture of. He's got he's got a, he's got a preconceived notion of what he wants this story to be by photography, and he's the most deliberate photographer I've ever been around. It's like I I, I, ne- I never will forget the best hunt maybe of all time, certainly in the top three fingers of hunts I've ever been on. Right in the the heat of the moment when it can't get no better. The light apparently got just right, and the man un- unloaded his gun and said, "Load up, Rams. We got to take pictures. It won't take long." And we took pictures for I don't know five, ten, fifteen minutes. It seemed like an eternity because there were just a bazillion rosy bills hitting the decoys. But don't shoot at the ducks. You said, "No, no, no, no. I need you to do this and do that." And we did, boy. We got through it as quick as we could. And then he put his camera up, boom, and broke out his gun. He was back to that deliberate hunter again. And Lee, I really enjoyed that. I I, I got to tell you, I really uh, really enjoyed hunting with you down there and, and and your insights. But I just really enjoyed seeing how you process and how those <laughs> iconic images came to be. You know, it's, it's uh, a very deliberate, very very deliberate, man. Well, thanks for that. I'll say that. I mean, the trip, first of all, was. I mean, I, we all said it too. It wasn't just me that said. It. I mean, that's the best trip we've ever been on in our life. And then that particular morning you're talking about. I mean, I promise you, I'll take that one to my grave. Yeah, it was, it was unreal. I mean, we were getting, they were eating us up, dude. <laughs> I mean, they were eating us <laughs> up. I'm like, I'm like, put that gun down, dude. We got to do some work quick. Hurry up. Yeah, this ain't gonna take long. Let's go. So we got to come. Being part of it's not because. Photography. I mean, hell, I wanted to pick the gun up and start hunting again. I mean, I love it. I love it. Well, even the hunting guys were laughing, Rock. The hunting guys were laughing at my frustration of of, of shelling out and taking taking action shots without shooting at the ducks that were coming in. It was the craziest (laughs) thing I've ever seen. But uh, but we had we had a real good time. Yep, that was fun. Really fun. The whole trip was great, boy. I've told people, like, you know, about that, you know, because he come back and they ask you, like, and I'm like, man, I mean, if you want, I've been to Argentina and Uruguay a bunch of times, and, you know, I mean, you know, they're pretty, they can be pretty soft, you know, especially the, you know, the man, the real managed ones, and they're pretty soft. Well, this Rio Salado deal that you have for people that ever read about what it must have been like gunning for canvas backs at the Susquehanna Flats at the turn of the century or, you know, big time, big time duck hunting lakes like Green Lake or Heron Lake or any of that stuff. 
old timber hunts, old, you know, down in Stuttgart or whatever. Just any of those classic things that we read about. That's real Salado is, to me, I'm not sure. I mean, I've been everywhere in the world like you have been, but it's got to be the last greatest duck hunt on earth. I mean, there's nothing like it. it, it, it. It's certainly one of the wildest. And that that's what that's what oh, that's what compels me and, and, and you know, it's it's wild. Yeah. Oh it, yeah. It, it's a, you know, the the ride in, Lee, you know, normally it's a it's a couple hours down a dirt road. It'd been raining mm-hmm. for seven to ten days preceding our getting there and, and I knew we were I knew we were in for a haul when the truck pulled up an hour late, you couldn't see <laughs> anything but mud. It was a, it was a, a dirt clod the shape of a of a yeah. Nissan truck. Tell them you know, how long it took us to get in that 36 miles of dirt. How long? It it, it took five hours of spinning mm-hmm. and crawling and four-wheel driving and, and really and truly some of the best four-wheel driving I think I may have ever seen. Uh, like the time we slid off, you know, Lee, we slid off that big crowned-up road next to that bridge. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if we'd gone, if we kept going, we'd, we'd, I, I bet that truck would still be there. Right. And, uh, but well, they, you, they, uh, you, they got us out and knew what they were doing. You know what's cool, though, is there's, the, like you said, the group we were with, those guys are duck hunters, right? Oh, they are. So, and what we love is a lot of places, you know, when you travel, especially down in Argentina or Uruguay or whatever, you know, guys are always talking about drive times. Like, oh, what are the drive times? Drive times are irrelevant when you're after adventure. And Rio Salado, just getting in there was an adventure and a large part of the story. And none of us would wanted to have missed that. I mean, it was now, outrageous. The whole trip was outrageous. You, you know, know, once you're there, once you're, once you're at the lodge, and normally it doesn't take that long to get there because once you're there, uh, you, a lot of times you can walk out the front door. Uh, one morning, Jeff and uh, Ira and I just walked out the front door and walked a quarter mile and ankle deep water and <laughs> shot a lot of ducks. You a know, lot of you're ducks. there, you're there, you're right oh. in the middle of this marsh. How you many know, alligators but, did you see? That was I couldn't believe that when I saw that alligator. I'm like, holy shit, there's oh, alligators. Oh yeah, those, those cabins are everywhere. <laughs> you're in this wild oh, remote was... marsh, and and you know. That that hunt though, you know the interesting thing, and, and I I knew I knew y'all, I knew enough about you and enough about Ira, and heard enough about Jeff. I knew enough going into it to know y'all'd be up for the adventure when we put this trip together. But it's not for everybody. But but you know, oh, no. then again, in the year no. in the year two thousand nineteen, you know, uh, with all the technology and and everything else going on in this world, I mean, if you want to get off the beaten path and step back into what it must have been like in the 1800s, you better That's be willing to, to stone up, stone up, and go the distance because those those places That's aren't within an hour of an airport. You know, I'm, I can guarantee you that. That's what I'm telling. That's 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 what I. If I could get anything across, that's that's it right there. This hunt ain't for everybody. Mm-mm. But if you fancy yourself as a hardcore duck hunter, oh, you got to see this thing. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 the real deal. Raw, it was we, raw, we, and it's wild. It mm-hmm. it attracts a certain person, and that's what that's what the magic was. I mean, the magic of of mm-hmm. that five people, six people, us six in that camp in that place. It just it was it was magical. The the just the whole fellowship and like I, mm-hmm. I ever said you know where you want where you wanted to hang out with us and hear the stories but not the duck blind we were busy then where you wanted to what was at the bar when we got back we were <laughs> listening to music and telling stories and and, and drinking mm-hmm. brown water you know that's where the that's where all the stories in life went to but it was just it was a real special time for me and i i really enjoyed really enjoyed uh getting to know you and, and sharing time in the blind with you there lee well that that's mutual man i mean it was true i mean i you know, I I really don't. I haven't hunted with ducks with that many people in my life. I'm pretty duck hunting serious to me. It always has been serious, and I've only shared that a blind with a handful of people in my life. And you and I together was that was fun, man. That really was. That's a good yeah. deal. One well, one thing I noticed, Lee, that that uh, listening to your stories. 
the old mm-hmm. stories, hunting with your dad, hunting growing up. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, I I grew up down here in the deep south. Mm-hmm. Um, you might not can tell it from my accent, but but you know, but having been to your <laughs> I home have stories in about that too. Having having seen where you where you grew up, you know, uh, there was a, there was a picture on you. Uh, there was a book someone had written from uh, you and Bonnie's hometown about y'all's yep. hometown. She pointed out a photograph of of what used to be the home you grew up in, a log cabin out mm-hmm. in the middle of the woods in this little town. You know, yeah. I, I know a lot of your. It, it was so different. You know, uh, y'all you talk about a baseline all the time. It's so different from my baseline. Mm-hmm. And even the stories is, uh, you know, spending time with you and hearing your stories that everybody will get to hear in time. It was like, for me, it was like picking up a Gordon McCoy book because it wasn't hunting in button bushes and willows and, and rice fields. And it was hunting mm-hmm. big water, it was hunting divers, you know, mm-hmm. it was hunting bluebills, it was hunting canvasbacks and redheads. It, it was just, it was real yep. different than anything, but, but yet it was so the same. I mean, we're still duck hunters, and that—that's—that's that's the crazy oh. thing. But it was so so different, man. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you know, we talk about. I mean, I use the word culture a lot because that's culture is, is you know art and you know what people wore. I'm talking. I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about in particular duck hunting, right? What they shot. I mean, the kind of guns that were shot, the shells, the duck boats, the motors, the time of year uh it's just way different like you know like i never ever had like a like a green timber mallard hunt right i still haven't i still haven't killed a green head in real timber and it's not that i haven't had some opportunities it just never done it or just have i'd love to though so um but you know when you hear guys talk like ira you know ira tells and in ira's you know well you know what he's like he's just an incredible hunter right he's a great He's a great duck hunter. He's classic. And so wind and blue sky, sun, all that stuff in the timber, right? Well, big, big water diver hunting in northern Minnesota, that ain't going to cut it. <laughs> we need nasty, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the nastier, the better. I, mean, I remember my dad, when I was like a sophomore in high school, waking me up at like 2 2.30 in the morning on a school day, and he, he called, my dad called me Button. He never called me Lee, ever, not until he, never. Even when I was older, he called me Button. So he's like, he, and he was a hard guy, hard, right? A hard ass. And he would, like, he'd give you a tap, you know, and he'd go, Button, come on, get up. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, well, Randy called, and the big whistler's, are showing up on Cass Lake and the weather's perfect. Let's go. So, you know, that was a long drive over to Cass Lake and dark Northwest wind blowing, you know, snowing. If it wasn't snowing, it's for sure sleet like peak hole, you know? And I remember that one particular morning more than all, because when we got loaded into a Lund Alaskan boat and wood decoys, Randy was a Randy Larson, his electrician buddy, was a really, really good decoy maker. Nobody knows that, but you know, because he's like wasn't commercial. He's like a duck hunter, a real dude. They both shot Model 12s, Winchester Model 12s, 30 inch full, two and three quarter inch lead shells. That's all he shot ever. But we're heading out there, and it's rough, and it's kind of what's black. First of all, it's blackout, and we're heading out to either Star Star Point or Cedar Island. I can't remember. It might have been Potato. Could have been. Anyway, we're going out there, and that boat and us in that boat are taking a beating to get out to this stuff, right? Well, the wind would take those waves off that aluminum boat like that and push that water all over you. Well, by the time we got there, you had a half an inch of ice on you, right? But that's how serious these guys were at that time of the year when it's on we're going duck hunting school didn't matter work didn't matter weather didn't matter we're going duck hunting and i mean that those that's what diver hunting was like in northern minnesota back in the day it's still there it's still there it's just a little different but it's it's still going on there's still duck hunters doing it 
Did you remember yeah. shooting ducks that morning? Did did y'all what y'all oh, shoot yeah. that morning? Oh yeah, we shot we shot almost a, a probably a full limit of big Drake whistlers and probably the odd bluebill, lesser Scott, little ones, little bills, not big not big bills, little ones, but major flocks though. I mean they those whistlers would come in fifty at a time, feet down, you know, bluebills. 250 in a bunch back then you'd see you'd see rafts you'd see rafts of lesser scop little bills you'd see you'd see rafts of little bills get up there'd be 10 15,000 birds in a raft I like wow do you do you remember your first duck hunt so do you remember your first duck hunt with your dad yeah shot a drake redhead yeah you bet I crippled him with a little 20 gauge Little Steven single barrel, shot three-inch shells. I crippled a redhead, a Drake redhead. I think I cried because I lost him. And Dad took me to shore. We were in a duck boat. <laughs> so he took me to shore, and it was blowing really hard. And we walked down that shoreline with seemed to – I'm little now, so I'm probably eight. You know, so it seemed like a long walk. I bet if I was back there today, I bet in all reality, it probably wasn't that long a walk. And he tapped me on my shoulder and he pointed and he goes, there's your duck. It was Drake Redhead and he was sitting on a rock. So I had to finish him off there, but we got him. <laughs> I'll be done. But, yep. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good duck to get it started off with a Drake Redhead. No, that's a great hunt. Mm-hmm. A lot of nesting bluebills in the state of Minnesota. I I don't know about now, but back in the day there was in the north in the northern part there was, you know. But you know, we really... almost lost the bluebill population back in oh four oh five somewhere in there mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. the sna- that that uh, parasite mm-hmm. that snail thing. Yeah, yeah, it was killing. It was, was killing them off. Well, like those we, zebra muscle. Yeah, that's what it well, was. Well, there was a snail thing. I mean, it the readership or the listenership that's out there right now. There might be somebody that can email you in or something and say, "No, it was this." But those big bodies of water, like Cass and Winnie and Leech and Bowstring, I mean, they had some big die-offs. Ten, fifteen thousand birds. On Win- on Winnie and bowstring like that? Oh, that's bad. Really bad. We killed we killed five five that were banded and had the nasal bands uh, really? in one year. And they were coming from Minnesota. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, it was you're right. I mean that was a bad it was a bad time for them. And they're a cool a really, really fun duck to hunt. My dad used to say, that's a duck hunter's duck right there. Oh, it that's is. He called them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they flat get it on, those guys. <laughs> yeah, they're cool. Really cool. Your dad seemed to be one of the, one of your primary influences when you were young, Lee. What what kind of guy was he? Who Who was he? Oh, man. Hard. Lived a hard life. Died of emphysema from smoking camel straights and luckies his whole life. Fought booze his whole life. Um, white knuckled it, you know. World War II vet. Depression baby. Grew up on a farm. This tough, you know. Brokaw called him America's greatest generation. And That's right. I yep. agree, and I agree. I agree with it, right? I mean, those those son of a bitches were Americans right there. Right? Where did he serve? He was Navy. He was a Navy boy, and he fought in the North Atlantic, and he shot any aircraft. I, I, he never, rare, I shouldn't say never because that wouldn't be accurate, rarely ever discussed war. But mm-hmm. he did tell me that shooting any aircraft, he looked me and he goes, it's just like shooting bluebills. You got to line them up, kid. <laughs> 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 I 
Got to line them up. Oh, Lord, care. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, as, as, as you look back, Lee, as you look back at your mom and dad, yep. and you think about their characteristics, mm-hmm. what what was passed what was passed down into you? What do what do you see in yourself that that came from them? Now, um, mom, I, it's not all about like what I learned from dad because I I got just as much from my mother. Um, she was, of course, she was perfect and the glue in the family and never, never raised her voice or never spoke a bad word about anybody in her life. I mean, she was loved by all cancer got her a little while ago here. Um, I think from mom, probably compassion for people and all things wild and life and dad maybe like how to do things like there's if you're going to do something be good at it do it do it don't don't half-ass anything nothing no bullshit like you and he was hard i mean he, he he was hard on me as a kid he was hard to grow up with but i I suppose I don't know. I'm I'm 50, for for the listenership out there. I'm 59 years old right now, so I was born in 1960. So times were different back then. I think dads probably raised their sons a little different back then than they do now. But um, I think they're just maybe as a dad, you're afraid that your kid ain't going to turn out. You think that's possible? I mean, I don't know. He's been dead for a long time. My dad is probably responsible for what I do as a living and what I turned into, my career turned into, but he died before he ever knew I did it. So he doesn't know. That, I mean, hopefully, maybe he does. I don't don't know. I don't know what, I'm not sure what to think about that, but But, hope so. you (laughs) You told me a story one time, Lee. He asked you how your work was going. Oh, yeah. It did. Yeah. Yeah, I, they, mom and dad, I grew up on a hunting and fishing resort in northern Minnesota. And, of course, you graduate high school and you leave school. And Actually, I didn't leave school. when I, It was a couple months left in my senior year, and I wound up in drug treatment. So I was gone. But anyway, we can talk about that later um, if you want. I'm cool with it. Uh, I can't remember like how old I was. I was in my twenties and I came back to, to, to the lodge and mom and dad were there and dad asked me how, you know, just like I said, he was a hard ass, you know, it wasn't like they, he gave you a hug or no, nah, there's just, not, that's not what it was like. So he looked at me and he's like, how's your work going? I'm like, good. It's going good. At that time I was, doing like detailed illustrations for an architectural firm or something, you know? And he goes, how's your work going? And I'm like, yeah, it's going good. And he goes, I'm not talking about that work. I'm talking about your life's work. And what he meant by that was I was always talented as a kid through, you know, drawing and painting and carving deco, whatever it was. I was just talented. I hope that it doesn't sound egotistical, but I was, <laughs> and and I knew it. But as a kid, you know, you probably don't know what to do with it, or how can you go from here to here, or maybe you don't even know it's an option of doing that. But he told me when he said, "I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your life's work." And he told me, "If you don't do something with that, you're going to regret that the rest of your life." Well. I'm not saying that that's a paramount moment in my life or my career, but it definitely, it definitely stuck with me. I mean, I carried that around for sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, you can oh, yeah. carry it around today, don't you? Just the oh, fact you, you remember the, the importance of that <laughs> yeah, conversation. Not, that one's not going to go away. Uh-uh. No way. Mm-mm. Was it was it ever a time that you wondered how am I going to make money 
from this passion, though? No, I I don't think that. And the reason I don't is because I don't really care about it. It's not what motivates me. Well, I uh, make a living. Well, I want to. Well, I mean, if my wife was here, if she was here on the phone right now, she'd tell you a story. I think she told it to Ramsey in a need. Oh, she. T- I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell it for. I'll tell it for her. Because, yeah, you Rocky, can, a few weeks really ago, my wife and I, my wife and I went up to Game Fair to see Bit It With Lee and Boss Ammo and just see some folks and, and, and checked out. It's a very, very, very long-standing, nice outdoor show. It really makes you wonder, how come all hunting shows are not held outside? That's where they should be. But anyway, we go up there and we stay with Lee. And they live, they live uh, you know, Minneapolis-St. Paul is not a small, big city. It's a big sprawling city and, and Lee and his wife live um just outside of it and it's just amazing because all of a sudden boom you're in you're in you're in you're in country. I mean country country, uh cornfields and, and, and uh lakes with swans and geese and God, just beautiful country, just rolling hills and everything else and and Lee would get up in the morning we stayed up kind of late having fun and socializing, you know, uh, with the show going on. But Lee was out the door probably before I even woke up because he had, to, he had to go up there and work at Boss. And uh, so Anita and I would wake up, and we'd always um, drink coffee with his wife, Bonnie, who was a very sweet lady, very talented, and uh, in her own right. Just just really just – we'd always always had a great visit with coffee one morning. I don't know how the subject came up, Lee, but, but I um, – she she explained to us that they had just bought this property. They they were a young yeah, couple. They had just bought this farm. property. They had three young children. A farm. I mean, it was a farm. That's what it was. A farm, and it, yeah. it's a mm-hmm. pretty sizable. But I don't mean like an acre lot. It, it's I'm, I'm gonna say a quarter section thereabouts, or a quarter section or something. It's, it's pretty dang big, and um, beautiful place. And and they had just bought it, and it was an old farmhouse that they've since renovated they raised their family in it it, it, it was their long time forever home and and you know just like a lot of young couples that that, that jump out and buy something you know it, it's not easy you just do it you wonder how you're gonna make it happen but but you know you'll somehow manage cause that's what people do <laughs> and one day lee come in and said i quit my job and she and she started bawling and she's like no you go beg them for your job back. But Lee just up. Lee, how is it you came about uh, quitting your job like that? Because obviously that led to the path you're on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that owner of that company called me in for like one of those job reviews or performance appraisals or whatever the hell they call them, right? And now remember, I. I was good at what at what I did for a job, right? I've always been good at what I do for a job. So the owner asked me during this review, and they're always trying to tell you you're you know you're not worth half a shit, you know, so that they don't have to give you a raise or whatever. And he looks at me. I particularly care for the dude that much anyway. And I said, he goes, "Where do you? Let me ask you something. You know, he's got the." you know, the tough guy thing going, he's behind the desk and all that, you know. He's like, where do you see yourself in five years? Not fucking here. That's my answer, right? Not here. How'd that go? I left. I left. Hey, quick. Just save save it some time. Go ahead and get a head start on it. But Bonnie didn't know I quit until Monday morning. Oh. That was like Friday. And Monday morning, I told her, by the way, I'm not going to work. <laughs> so that's really how that started. And then she said, you know, she goes, no, she goes, call call them and ask them for your job back. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And then I, I remember telling her, I'm like, we'll be okay. We'll be good. I can do this. I know I can. So that's that's what started it. Was it tough? Oh, my God. Where do you start? It's not like I had a start. You know, it's like, okay, cold turkey. I quit my job in corporate America. And think, I was 40, 
photographed as a professional a little bit before that while I was still working in corporate America, but I quit corporate America when I turned 40. And when, like I said, when I, in my life, I've always done my own thing, right? A lot of people, when they hit 40, they probably think that's probably what they're going to be doing, right? Nah, no, that wasn't going to work. So that, that, I think that when I look back at that, I'm like, I, that's, that's kind of cool. You know, when you hit forward and you're like, no, nope, I'm not settling for where I'm at right now. I got to do this. I got to try it. Lee, and, as a free thinker, as a free thinker, mm-hmm. it must have been real tough for you. As much as you were good at what you did, and I know mm-hmm. you through your dad's instructions, you poured yourself into what you did. I know you, but, but mm-hmm. what, what did, uh, as a free thinker, it must have been tough working for somebody else like that. It at times, at times it was. And here the other, I want to. I, I was a good employee. Like I, mean, I don't mean just good at what I did, but I mean faithful, and you know on time, and always you know always gave more than or always gave more than a forty-hour work week. You know, I mean it's just. That's just the way I'm wired, right? I work. I love to work. I love working. What was hard is if you have something in you that you know has to come out and it's good and you have people telling you, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do it this way. That that gets to you after a while. Amen. Because that gets to you after a while. I'm like, no, oh, man, that's. Oh, I can tell you, I mean, oh, my God, dude, there was some stories that I had this one general manager. He was a pussy. So that was, like, really hard for me to deal with that. I can deal with men, but I can't deal with pussies. So, and he's the general manager of the company. You go in his office, and he's, like, filing his toenails. He wore, like, Birkenstocks and shit like that, golf shorts, and, oh, my God, dude. And I'm in there, and he's like, he wanted me to design this um, this flyer for Samsung. I was working for a mechanical at that time and doing all their creative. And Samsung, I believe Sam, the blue, I think it was like PMS 286 or something like that. And so I made this beautiful one-sheeter on their products for Samsung, and he looks at it, and the guy goes, I don't like blue. And I'm like, well, it's not really about what we like. It's Samsung, Samsung's color kind of like fucking changing John Deere green to something you want. You know what I mean? It's just like you don't do that. So he's like, so he's, I'm like, well, what do you want? And he goes, I'm thinking salmon. I'm telling you, dude, I lost it in my head. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. They can't do it. Salmon? What kind of color is salmon? I mean, it's beautiful in nature. Salmon, red salmon are crazy pretty, but like pink for a... That was it. That was the beginning of the end in the corporate world for me. That discussion. Mm -hmm. And Bonnie and I, I, I got fed up with him one other time, that general manager, and Bonnie and I went on a flying fishing trip in northern saskatchewan right on the border of the nunavits and we stayed up there and fished for i don't know probably 10 days or so and i didn't tell anybody at work that i was leaving and then i came back there and one of the owners of the company that really liked me truthfully did like me and i liked him came in and he said he said what what where did you go and then he goes he told me i told him what i did and he goes i can't I can't have you doing that here. You know, I mean, they, the other employees, you know, they look up to what you do here, and I just can't have you taken off like that. And I said, well, I'll make it easy for you, you know, and I'm going to leave. So <laughs> it was mm-hmm. all of this stuff happened in a really short period of time. I mean, I was done. I had to go do what I want, had to do. You know what I mean? I had to go do what yeah. I had to go do, and I, it was all. I was just done. I couldn't do it anymore. So, but. No regrets. None. No regrets. 
I'm close perfect. it out here, Lee. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you said about your dad. Yes. Knowing what he instructed you to do. Sitting in the duck yes. blind with him right now. Picture yep. this in your mind. What do you think he'd say to you about what you've done with your life now? You've done good, kid. I think so, too. I think so, too. Well, <laughs> you can kind of see where this is headed to. I'll, t- I'll tell you this. We, we, were, we were talking about it before we hit the record button, but I asked Lee and Ramsey, I said, what do y'all want to call this? And I had a few thoughts running through my mind, and, and all of a sudden, unmuzzled. Well, Lee is definitely unmuzzled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to be. It's America, right? But you know, I told I, I told Ira yesterday. I said, Ira, don't hold anything back. Be yourself. More people are going to listen to you if you're real than if you try to put on a front and mm-hmm. just be yourself. He said, "Okay." Mm-hmm. And yep. I think we're we're in for a treat with this series, Unmuzzled. A lot of a lot of good stories coming. Now, I'm looking forward to it. I don't. I've never got to tell the story, so yeah, I'm yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And you, we're looking are, forward to it like, too. Like. You really, you guys are are a huge part of this. I mean, it's not like it's just me talking. It's a huge part that I feel really comfortable with, like how you how you talk and who you are and I've listened to you before and you know I've got to know Ramsey so this is just going to be like a conversation and that's what it'll be oh, like yeah. no different than if you're sitting in the barn with me right now you can ask me anything it's yep. gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be a lot of fun <laughs> yeah well guys y'all have a great Labor Day weekend. I bet you don't ever hear y'all a lot up there in Minnesota, do you? No, not from a native. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) No. No. Yeah, how's it? Rocky, they they talk funny up there. It's a it's a nice Minnesota is a beautiful state. Got got a rich, but they talk funny up there. Oh come on, you know. Why? We talk. Why? Because we enunciate words. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let me tell. Let me tell Rocky this. Let me tell Rocky. We're sitting. We're in Argentina, and Ramsey's stroking birds left, left and right, like you can't even imagine, right? Like, I mean, his fangs are out, and oh my God, he, I can't even. Oh, what was I gonna? I forgot what I was gonna tell you. Oh, oh, the bird guys, the bird boys. I don't. And first of all, I don't want to call them bird boys. They're duck hunters, is what they are. Really good duck hunters. They are. And but they're Argentines, right? They totally speak Spanish. When Ramsey gets going, when he's grinding ducks, his accent gets worse, and I had an easier time understanding the Spanish than I did him. And his redneck ass down there while he's killing birds. You can't understand a word of it. That's Lee. Lee. Lee, just tell me one thing for real. Tell me what? one thing for real, Lee. You got to be truthful. What? Don't hold back. You're on I will. I will. The first time that you ever heard Ramsey say the word story. Yeah. You know how he, do you ever you know how he says the word oh, yeah. story? Oh yeah. Oh for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why that's why him bringing up anybody's accent is laughable. I mean that's not even believable. <laughs> my my two favorite words that come out of Ramsey's mouth is story and mother. <laughs> <laughs> I would he need Yeah. Hooks on phonics. You ever hear of that, Ramsey? Well, that's why you're going to be my interpreter 
when I go to speak <laughs> at Game Fair next year, I'm going to need somebody yeah. up there to interpret to, to the foreigners. Yeah. All right, we'll do that. We'll oh man! <laughs> I'm I'm picturing this in my mind, Lee. That you you come out when you hear him say "story" for the first time. Yeah. You you kind of lean from out from behind that camera. <laughs> I'm telling uh, you, and, and it gets worse the more ducks that are dying. There's a direct relationship to his to his his language and it's i think it's unique too i mean i've never heard anybody get rolling quite like that kind of like a nascar guy on like crack or something talking about a race (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's 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 he's a blast to share a blind with and i'm telling you what he is one shooting son of a bitch too he's the best i've ever seen oh, oh, hey, brother. yep uh, yeah all right guys well look we, we've right. got to run we are out of time i thank y'all again y'all have a great labor day weekend y'all right on you too well thank y'all again we want to thank all of you that listened to this edition of the End of the Line podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com.